You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Donnie Vanker. He is the CEO of Life Action Ministries. Donnie, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about about Life Action and Maybe share your origin story, why you guys exist, how the how the ministry came to be. Sure, sounds good. So, Life Action uh, was started in the early seventies by uh, it was a youth pastor named Del Fazenfeld Jr. So his dad was actually an itinerant evangelist um, and traveled around mostly the the South, uh, Mid South, uh, Midwest, and uh, and Del uh, himself was a youth pastor. And loved Jesus and saw just literally hundreds of kids coming to know Jesus uh, through his ministry. Uh, he had a radio ministry as well. And just the Lord really had his hand on him. And, uh, you know, there was nothing flashy uh, about him. Dell was, uh, he was one of these laser beam visionary uh, guys who just had, a, uh, he had a, a passion for revival and to see, I think really felt like the, the church had, uh, couple things. One is lost its moral compass, uh, so to speak. And I would say especially lost just focus on its priority uh, of of the Great Commission and, and seeing people actually actually become saved, which he was experiencing in his personal ministry. And so you know, he'd watched his dad travel around the country and uh, and have have a unique voice when you're somebody that's in from out of town. There's uh, It's a different platform than when you're just kind of the same speaker that people hear week in and week out. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, traveled around actually before he launched life action and, uh, and interviewed a bunch of pastors that his dad knew and said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm looking at creating a ministry that's going to travel around. But just like my dad's was, was evangelism focused. It was just one person. Um, I, I want to travel with the whole family. And you know, he believed that that was a, a, a really missing element in the life of a lot of, uh, ministers, the people that were, mm-hmm kind of selling out to God, but their families were, were at home. He'd experienced some of that, believed his family needed to travel with them and, and, and that, that these events needed to take place at, uh, at churches. Churches needed to experience um, not just one person coming in, but a whole, a whole team of people and, um, and uh, have music be a part of it. Uh, and anyways, so I interviewed a lot of folks. They all said, that's a great idea. Yeah. We'd love for somebody to come in and take this, timeless truth of God and apply it in a timely way. That's really kind of the prophetic uh, mindset. So we just don't think it's going to work. Uh, it's good. You know, how, how are we going to travel around and bring all the buses and stuff? And the Lord just <laughs> provided incredibly. And, you know, when you've got this young guy, I think he was 27 at the time and a young family and started traveling around and, uh, and, and grew the teams and uh, 50 years, 52 years later now, uh, you know, over 7,000 churches we have been a part of where we've gone in and done multi-day uh, experiences with them. So most are eight or 11 
day uh, you know, church events. So we do four day events and we'll do 15 day um, and just, just kind of see how the, how the Lord leads. But it's, it is like the circus comes in from out of town when we're, when we're doing these times. And what we do is we just create opportunities. We create come to Jesus moments for a lot of churches. Uh, and we would tell you that today, Life Action, uh, you know, we help churches, uh, families, and, uh, and leaders move towards revival, vitality, and their mission with Jesus. So the, the, the ministry grew from, from just one team to two teams to three teams. Uh, then we ended up with um, what at the time was a teen ranch up here. So a lot of focus on teens. Again, that was just where, where his heart was at. Eventually became a family camp. So in southwest Michigan, we've got a couple hundred acres up here. And, um, and then uh, eventually a, a, a executive retreat center. We do a lot of work with pastoral care, now missionary care family camp during the summer and about 40,000 families a year that we're engaging with and in, in really significant, meaningful ways. So pretty special. Ministry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like there was some inspiration taking, taken from some like touring bands almost. <laughs> it's, it's kind of what it, what it, what it feels like. Life actually has a really yeah. history with music as well. So, you know, it, Anytime you, you're you're going to gather together, there's something special about worshiping, uh, you mm -hmm. know, with with others. I'd actually tell you that what we do, we we create context for people to engage with Jesus, and so one mm. one of those elements is is actually with 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 uh, with the, the the music. You know, the Lord is enthroned on the praises of His people, right? So He's right there. Mm -hmm. So so when you in, include music as part of it, you're trying to draw them near to God. Uh, when you're creating a context where people are pushing away from their normal life, uh, from everyday life, you know, and you have consecutive hours, consecutive days when you're prioritizing God, well, guess what? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So again, mm -hmm. just even how we structure the program is designed to help people engage you know, and be near to God. Uh, and then even with our messaging standpoint, try to help people get to a, a place where they're there's a, they're almost looking at a mirror in their life and being able to see where things are, are actually at. Um, you know, we, the first two parts of our, of our messaging pathway, we would say are honesty and humility. Well, you could summarize that as brokenness. That's like head down, hands up. My name is Donnie Vanker and, and I'm a, you fill in the blank. I'm an, you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I, man, I, I, I have a lot of bitterness in my life. I need help. Well, the, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. That's what we're trying mm -hmm. to get people near to God. And then when they engage with him, that's when incredible things happen. That's cool. Yeah. But to give context to this conversation, uh, I, I think it would be helpful to establish how you guys align uh, with the Luzon Covenant. We, we talked about this offline uh, last time when we tried to do this recording. Um, yeah. But I think that that would be a true and helpful maybe statement as, as we kick off this conversation and enter into some of the things that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, sure. Uh, so life action, it's, it's roots were um, kind of in the indie fundy uh, realm. And, and then they started to, to, to branch out as many churches uh, did during the Jesus revolution and started to um, relook at, at, at some of the things that were uh, helpful and some of the things that were not helpful in terms of, uh, how they're ministering to people and, and reaching folks. We're not denominationally tied. Uh, we do mm. 
Um, we do work with with a lot of different uh, types of, of churches. Uh, you know, some have more of a history of a quote unquote revival type ministry coming in town. Others don't have as much of a history in that. But because we're not tied to any kind of denomination, the question might be, well, just from a doctrinal belief, you know, statement of faith, you know, type background, where do you where do you land? Our statement of faith is is reads pretty simply. It's 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 fairly similar to the Apostles' Creed. Um, but when you look at other, what is the mo we were looking at what is the most universally accepted, um, you know, uh, just orthodox theologically, uh, mm -hmm. you know, type type of of agreement that's out there, and the Lausanne Covenant was was really the one that seems to be the most generally accepted. And so, um, when we're looking at partnering with other ministries, if you want to know generally where we land, you know, theologically, that should give you a pretty good indication. Yeah, cool. I think that's helpful. Because yeah. um, do you find that? I mean, there's a there's a. It almost seems like there's a big trend. Maybe it's not a trend. Maybe it's happening for been happening for a long time. But this, um, this pursuit of everything about the faith being experiential, and I just need to experience Jesus to or. or experience have some type of experience around my faith for it to become real for me um yeah. that that is a pushback with what you guys are doing uh, and not to say that that's all that you're doing but do you see do you find that that's a rub uh with traditional evangelical christianity and and makes it difficult to enter into some conversations with churches who might go eh, well this is just experiential on, on the flip side of like there's very much a part of our faith that is um, sure. the disciplines of our faith. So what does that kind of, sure. how does that kind of come up with what you guys uh, maybe struggle with or run into as far as challenges and struggles and yeah, uh, you know, those kind of conversations good, good, around the ministry? Good question. Um, I would say by and large, what we're trying to do, you can even see this in the Psalms. There's, there's orientation, mm -hmm. there's disorientation, and then there's a reorientation. And mm. so it's, it's actually how we learn and grow, right? So we're going, all of a sudden, something makes us to stumble, makes us to, to change, kind of wakes us up. And then we, we, and then we go a different direction. That's even the word repent. It, it, it just means about face, turn, turn a different direction, right? And uh, most, uh, so when we're coming in town, you know, most of the time we're not coming in because churches are saying, hey, we need to hear more Bible teaching as though our pastor isn't doing a good job of teaching. So we need you to come in and, and teach us something brand new. I mean, by and large, you're not going to hear something that's brand new from us. It's just for us, it's, it tends to be just a very practical application of, of the gospel of the good news. And we are, we're the people that come in from out of town to help give that to you in a way mm. that's going to, that's going to wake you up a little bit. So, um, because nobody changes unless they perceive that there's a need to change. Mm. It's just, we, we, that's just not how we, that's, that's just not how life works. And, and in addition to that, how we learn is through experience. So mm -hmm. our goal isn't, isn't just for people to have some kind of experience with God. Our goal, our goal is, is growth and enjoyment of God and, and experiencing, uh, you know, the abundant life. Um, 
through how they live, right? And so if we're trying to to create and help people say yes to God and uh, and live out his kingdom in all these different ways, so we're trying to ultimately impact their actions, how do we get them there? Well, 70% of what a person learns is actually through experience. 20% is through processing that experience. It's only 10% mm. of what a person learns is through is through you know, lecture style or, or reading a book. So our goal isn't experience. Our goal is transformation. And we're actually just leveraging how people actually learn andragogically. We're, we're leveraging that uh, in order to cr create opportunity for transformation. That being said, you could be in any of our conferences, any of the different retreats, any of the events that we do, whether it's at the church or, or, or at the camp or retreats or whatnot, whether you come to us or we go to you, you're going to hear solid teaching from scripture. We just put it in an experiential context. Mm. That's really cool. There's this yeah. similar stat I use around storytelling and testimony. And cause that's, that's the thing that we're, I'm especially most passionate about the thing that we try to emphasize and, and focus on in our ministry, but centered around storytelling testimony is the statistic that says uh what is 75 percent of the bible is written in narrative form i think another right. 10 or 15 percent is written in poetry form or poetic form leaving only like 10 percent of the bible entire bio biblical narrative uh written as explicit instruction and so yeah we're really good at the explicit instruction part, especially in the Western church. We have very, we have great logic reasoning based, um, literacy based communication models. Um, yes. but like you just said, and what we've argued for is that, um, that doesn't seem to be at least through scripture, how God has primarily chosen to speak to us. And so that's interesting that's right. that that is, you're also experiencing that within, um, these uh, what would you call them like revival experiences like what how do you how do you define what you guys are doing yeah so you know we would say that we um what we're doing helping churches uh families and, and leaders move towards revival vitality and their mission with jesus we do that through uh we call them church events or Perfect conferences or camps or retreats or different types of, of coaching. There, there's a, a whole variety of different things. We, we, we want to avoid uh, this idea or this mindset that somehow it's like a, a seminar. In fact, uh, our founder's father uh, had told our founder's son, who still works with us now, at one point, he said, look, if this ever becomes a seminar, it's over. And that's mm -hmm. in part, be, in part, because I would say it, it's be, it's because it's like this. It's to use a, a sports analogy. Um, you know, if we're sending a team, which we do, we, we for a lot of the churches that we do, it's it's you know, we got twenty people that are coming and doing all of the music and the children's ministry and the youth ministry and the speak and all this kind of stuff. But so we're bringing a football team out there, and there's the quarterback that is he's got to he's got to read the 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 defense you got to read the conditions of the field he's got to listen to the coach and then there's making decisions there's a general playbook that they're working from right but it but it mm -hmm. things do have to be contextualized to the realities on the you know where you're at and so right. you know when 
whatever we're doing, we are trying to listen to God or we do a lot of work with the pastors and the staff and the leaders so we can understand you know what's going on. And we try and take timeless truth of God, especially in really practical terms, and apply it in a timely manner. And that's really what most all of biblical prophecy was. was and I think especially when you're looking in, in 1 Corinthians 14, just this idea of, of that is you're dealing with the heart and you're trying to move the heart exhortation encouragement consolation um and and so that's what we're that's what we do mm-hmm. and, and just trying to create a, a context for that but so there's a little bit that needs to be contextualized every place that we go to mm. yeah so i imagine that creates a, a bit of groundwork work for you guys or foundational work before you go into any church or do you, it is it is it always contextually a, a local body of believers, or are you oftentimes going into like a region of churches? Uh, we've done both. Uh, so okay. normally we're just working with a particular uh, local body, local expression of the church, right? Whatever that might uh, right. you know, be in that area. There definitely are times when we'll do regional uh, type events or citywide events. Um, okay. You know, for a lot of the things that we do, it's not even just the church. It's it's maybe a family or a couple or a, an individual person that we're that we're ministering to. So that's you know the, you mentioned oh, the word revival. There's a lot there's a lot of people that that would think of Life Action as a revival ministry, and we we most certainly are. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. We want to see revival happen uh, in this world. We want to see it happen. Uh, in North America, we want to see it happen in different cities and different churches, families, and individuals where God comes in his spirit and just changes everything and advances his kingdom in totally unique ways he, where he's the king, he's in control, and his spirit is clearly moving. Mm. The simplest definition of revival, it's the Latin is revive, just life back, revive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it means life again. And so what we're not looking for is some kind of cathartic emotional experience that's not resulting in genuine transformation in somebody's life. Um, and, and there's nothing that we can do that can manufacture what God is going to do in somebody's mm-hmm. heart. But as, as you were kind of referencing, you know, God works through people and God often, um, you know, he works through uh, the ministry of the spirit and works through the ministry of his word. He works through his body, uh, you know, different expressions of that. Um, so, you know, we just try and create a context for people to be able to engage with with God in those ways. We, we call them our, our seven responses to God. And this gets flushed out a thousand different ways. But essentially, mm-hmm. our messaging pathway will walk people through these responses. Honesty and humility. Together, we call that brokenness, right? Repentance. Just turning the, truly turning your face or turning your mindset, uh, receiving and giving compassion, uh, and receiving and giving forgiveness. That's really turning your heart. Uh, God's not just looking for forgiveness. That's a, some kind of mental thing. It's Jesus wants us to forgive from the heart, right? Mm-hmm. So receiving compassion from God, um, and being able to give that, receiving forgiveness from God, and giving that. And the reason why I would say that that turns the heart is because to the best of my knowledge, uh, the only thing that we're told in scripture that can inflame love inside of somebody is actually receiving forgiveness. 
the, the one who receives mm-hmm. forgiveness. And Jesus, if you remember the story, uh, when he was at the Simon, the, the Pharisee's house in this for a, a dinner party and a woman comes in and she's, she's a sinner. Right. So, you know, we're not told what that looks like, but um, something where she would have been probably considered unclean, certainly unwelcome at the party. And she crashes the party and she's kissing his feet and she's wiping his feet with her tears. And Simon, the, the Pharisees thinking if Jesus really knew who this person, if he really was a prophet, if he really knew who this person was, I mean, he would never let her do that. And Jesus says, Simon, I've, I've got something to say to you. So say it. He said there was two debtors. One owed 50 denarii and the other owed 500. Honesty. Neither could pay. Humility. Both sets were forgiven. Who will love more? Future active indicative in the Greek. It will happen. Who hmm. will love more? That's when Simon said, uh, well, the one who was forgiven more, I suppose. And Jesus says, you're right. So we know we know that there's something about forgiveness that inflames love inside of somebody. So then when you get to the last couple of steps of our of our response pathway, which is radical obedience, just say yes to God, whatever he's asking you to do, uh, say yes to him. And then kingdom first living. There are principles of kingdom life that he's laid out for us that we need to walk in. And when we do those things, um, you know, it leads to a, a very abundant life and it, it advances his kingdom. And I would tell you mm. that our messaging pathway, we're trying to get people to respond this way. Uh, it, it's, it's not topical. It is sequential. We don't just start with, hey, you need to submit and obey. You need to just uh, trust and obey. He's the king. He's in charge. Uh, God is the authority. So just submit to him. And that's true, right? But where's the good news in that? The reality is that that message mm. in and of itself could be said in... In any religious context, Christian or non-Christian, right? But it, it doesn't. But to obey when you haven't dealt with the motives of the heart, you know, it's kind of like a little kid. You can tell them, say, "Hey, go, you know, sit down. You need to go sit down in that corner." And they could say, "Well, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside." <laughs> you know, that's not <laughs> what God wants, right? Right. And right. And plus, <laughs> plus, if we're not inspiring love as the motivator for why we would want to follow God and why we'd want to trust and obey him. Uh, if fear or shame or guilt is the motivator, look, all of those are uh, valid on some level. They can bring you to God. They will not keep you with God. They're not powerful enough. And outside of the context of love, ultimately they can be very destructive forces. But I'll tell you what, Zach, you'll swim the ocean for those that you love. And you'll crawl through mm-hmm. fire. When that is your motivator, you 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 will do, you'll do anything uh, for for others. And God wants us to do that for Him and for our neighbor, and for others. So one of the hallmarks of life action is uh, is truly that people have not just experienced some form of some form of, of revival in their life or in their church, um, but restored relationships. Is is a very genuine hallmark of uh, of our ministry, and I would say it's a hallmark of the gospel. You know, the ability mm-hmm. to to truly forgive other people, you know, receive that from yeah. God, and truly forgive and truly love. I mean, that's that's how the kingdom is going to advance. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's what we do, and just gets expressed a lot that's of cool. different ways. It is cool. Yeah, you mentioned 
like that truest definition of revival life back. And then you mentioned like, there's not an attempt to manufacture that. How, how do you ensure that that's the case? Like, cause we know that especially so much of the big revivals that have happened, are there's an expression of the Holy spirit moving regardless of any effort that we may or may not have put in. Yeah. He just decides to move some sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. And so how, how do you, how, what does it look like to seek revival and not manufacture it when we know that so much of it is dependent on whether or not the Holy Spirit is just going to move or not? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it does. Um, I think perhaps you could say that you can maybe just look even just from a biblical standpoint, like what what were things that were consistent that you saw when um when god did some kind of significant work in in his people Mm. um and it was i would actually tell you it was not just when he showed up so in fact some people will talk about revival and they'll say man if you can just experience the manifest presence of god your life will be changed forever well, I would say, mm-hmm. how did that work out for the Israelites when they were in the shadow of the cloud of the pillar or in the glow of the pillar of fire? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, or uh, Solomon's temple when he's dedicating the temple and there's Solomon and all of Israel is gathered together and they're, they're dedicating the temple to God and God's presence comes down and consumes the altar and the Shekinah glory fills the temple. That didn't last real long. You know, mm-hmm. or how about how about uh, Judas? In the presence of Jesus, or even Lucifer and fallen angels, you know, and, and, and spirits in the presence of of God, there's got to be more than just being in the presence of God. We want to bring people near to God. That is true, and I, I explain that. However, we also want to do it in a way that where their heart is drawn is drawn to Him. So the, mm-hmm. we can't manufacture that. All we can be a mirror, and we can be a guide. So I think the mm-hmm. person that 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 created or maybe God used rather to, to, to launch the greatest revival the world has ever seen is actually John the Baptist. God used him as the greatest movement the world has ever seen to start it. God used him and then he handed it off to Jesus. That was his job. But John, mm-hmm. what was he doing? He's preaching, he was preaching repentance. He was preaching good news. He was preaching about the kingdom of God. You saw people, um, getting baptized or identifying with the way of life that he was proclaiming public confession mm-hmm. of sin. Uh, right. And then, then they, you, know, you have a guy who he, he would have been an insider. So John would have been a priest according to Levitical mm-hmm. law. His dad was a, was a, was a priest. So that would have been his, his track. And, but rather than going inside, he kind of went on the, on the edges and he wasn't planting new synagogues. Right. But he was he was he was teaching a different way and then was just sending people back into their context. And they were asking him. They were they said the crowds are asking, they said, Well, what do we do? They literally said that. What do we do? How should we live? And um and so he gave them them some practical principles of, of how to live. And at the same time, he also had uh, a leadership development program. So that we, we have the story of a couple of the disciples that came from John's ministry that, that, that ultimately became some of Jesus' leaders. But we know from Acts chapter 1 that they were all there. 
when G, when when Peter is trying to replace Judas, you know, one of the qualifications for being for being the replacement apostle, Peter says, is that they have been with us from the beginning, from the baptism of John. Mm. So when Jesus was getting baptized by John at the beginning of his ministry, these other guys are, are being influenced by it. So these are the kinds of things that we're looking at and say, well, can we do that? You know, we, so we travel around and we've got all these young adults that it's a pretty, actually incredible apprenticeship program. You know, we've got months and for most, the average stay is almost two years that these young know, people will travel around uh, with us, you know, from a development standpoint. And then we've, we've seeded all kinds of churches and all kinds of ministries have been launched from people that have come from life action. You know, we try and create oh, cool. these contexts and it's so cool. It's so cool. And then we create these contacts with the, the, the churches for people to be uh, honest as, as they are, um, you know, and to really follow that model that we've, that we've seen. And I would tell you this, that even if you, if, if you saw what happened in Asbury this last, this last uh, spring, which was truly incredible, truly incredible, truly a work of God. Uh, if you take some time, I would encourage you to take some time and watch the message that uh, Zach um, you know, who was the, the, the student chaplain, watched the message that he gave. And he, he, he walked off and thought he totally blew it. But you know what he did? I, I watched that and I thought, I am not surprised at all the people responded the way because he created a context for people to come to God as they are, no judgment, uh, and to be able to be honest with themselves mm -hmm. of, of where they were at and to receive the love of God and then to use that to motivate and change their behavior. It, it, it was, if you take some time to watch that, the context that he created facilitated uh, the the openness of the heart in the, in the people. And then God moved. And I just think mm -hmm. that's, that's, God can do whatever he wants. And he often does. But that's, that's, that's actually a method that when you do that, and if people, if, if their hearts are turned to God, then he'll, he'll show up and do incredible things in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God draws close to those who trust in him. It's a reoccurring theme you see in Noah's story, right. Abraham's story. It's cool. That's right. Well, and, and right. it, what ha sounds like what happened in Asbury was very similar to those seven messaging uh, key points that you've discussed already. Like there's this this repentant heart and realization that I stand before a holy God and I can't do this on my own. <laughs> and then that's right. Recognition that hey, oh, you did make a way for me to stand before you, clean and righteous, not my own, but somebody right. else's. So that's cool. That's right. You know, if if you had asked me even just a couple of years ago to paint the face or somehow draw the picture of a face that was preaching repentance, I probably would have drawn an angry face. Mm. Yeah. But I, I've actually come to think that I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that that's the, the case. I don't think the crowds were drawn to John because he was angry with them. Now he was, he was obviously would get angry with the religious elite that were keeping people from the kingdom of God. But mm -hmm. he was just trying to tell people, hey, hey, wake up. There's another way. And guess what? It's good news. You can go there. God mm -hmm. God has a way that leads to life. It's good news. 
I actually, I've spent some time just trying to understand because there is such an incredible legacy uh, in, in history of, of radically changed lives from this ministry. I mean, just story after story. I, I, we get thousands and thousands and thousands of testimonies every year of major transformation, life transformation. And, um, and I've, I've just tried to understand what is life action's role in the, in the church. And when you look at the APES gifts, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Apostles, I tend to think of them as like they're church planters. They're tilling new soil. I mean, they're they're plowing new fields, right? Most churches in the Western evangelical context, you're looking at, they've got pastors and teachers nailed down pretty good. But we tend to think of evangelists as something that, as though they're outside of the church. For those outside the church, even though Paul says in Ephesians 4 that the apest gifts are given for the equipping of the body of Christ. Hmm. Even the gift of, of, of for evangelists, that's for the body. And you know why? Because we need to have good news. Because we need to remember, hmm. we need to be inspired that, that God is for us. And prophets, we, 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 we don't really have a place for, for them. Um, you know, somebody that's coming in from out of town. A prophet has no honor in his hometown. So who is a person that's coming in from out of town that's encouraging, exhorting you to change with, with good news? Because guess what? You know, our messaging pathways, it is good news because you can be honest with yourself. And guess what? God won't reject you. Is that not good news? And you can be humble and lowly. And God is, is near the brokenhearted. And there is a way that leads to life. You can repent and turn around. These are, these are all good news. God has compassion on you. He's a compassionate God. And, and, mm -hmm. and God will forgive you for anything, anything you've ever done. Uh, our messaging pathway is, is the functional application of the good news. So life action. So we're the prophet evangelists in the Western church. That, that's really, that's what our, that's what our role is. And the, and the cool. church needs it. I'm not saying life action is the only one, but I don't know of many other ministries that actually do what we do. Hmm. Yeah. What are some of the other challenges and, and struggles that you guys run into as a, as a, a really parachurch ministry? Yeah. Um, in, in what area that could, that could go, Anywhere you want to I mean, go. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, there's, there's, uh, when you are fielding road teams and you're traveling around the country, you know, we've got all kinds of stories of engines blowing out and, you know, trailers, you know, things that, that happen and, and you're tra you're traveling with a lot of people. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. The, the uh, logistics of that. That's crazy. Are, they are incredible. There's a lot of logistical challenges. Um, we've got a lot of vehicles. We you know, we also have a lot of the logistical challenges of the properties. You know, so any camp or retreat center, we've got a couple hundred acres here in Southwest Michigan, mm -hmm. and you know, when you're doing all kinds of retreats and events, you know, so any any logistical challenges that you have with that uh, exist as well. Um, you know, funding fundraising uh, is not a simple thing. So a, a lot of our people function as like stateside missionaries, basically. Um, not everybody. We've got different mixed models. Um, you know, even challenges of, of just being able to articulate really well who we are and what we do. It, it took some time to really be able to, to figure that out. Um, yeah. You know, some, does, that, some, does that onboarding process or education process with, with your partner, donor audience, is that a... Is there quite a bit of education in, involved in 
getting somebody on board with what you do and how you do it and what's all involved and the stories that I'd come say, out of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably the bigger challenge is, is, is helping them understand all that we do because many mm -hmm. of the donors that we have have already actually been deeply impacted by the ministry and that's why they want to give back and support. And then as they learn, oh, you guys also do pastoral care work. Oh, you, you also do missionary uh, care work and, and pre-field training and you care for them as they're going. Oh, you 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 guys also do family conferences. So there's just a lot. So because the breadth of what we do is, is significant, there's some education there, but normally not on the, not on the very front end when somebody's life is, is really radically changed and um, it's just the law of social reciprocity. They want to be able to give back on, on some level. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would say that, that sometimes with our church events, um, it takes a lot of trust from a pastor to bring in a group from the outside for, mm -hmm. you know, a chunk of time, right? Let's say it's like eight days. So two Sundays, you know, ev almost every night that week, you got people that are living in host homes in, in the church you know, this, this, this group, this life action, they're coming and they're going to do all of the children's ministry. They're doing all of the tech. They're doing all of the, um, it's a pretty big trust commitment to put somebody else in your pulpit for that long. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, so sometimes if people, I would say if people haven't experienced what we've done, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty complex organization. Uh, to to be able to wrap your mind around, if they have experienced it, it's actually very easy. Uh, so, mm. uh, a a lot of the the churches that we that we go into want us to come back um, because it's just it's 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 generally so refreshing for for a church body. Most churches, when they're doing some kind of conference or thing on site it's a ton of work for the staff it's a ton of work for the volunteers by the time they're done they're just like exhausted right never doing that again um, <laughs> right you know and they're just th this th in general how we do this we we really try to structure it where um everybody is blessed and the and the, mm. the pastor gets to gets to enjoy and soak up the, the time and get they get time with god too and they get to do it with their family which almost never happens and then we also spend a lot of time meeting with them uh during the during the the, the time when we're there but both before we come and and while we're there and, and we're actually adding some follow-up uh, uh opportunities as well so just to care for them they're lonely they're lonely yeah, yeah. they're iso they're isolated but so sometimes they don't know who to trust. And if, if they haven't experienced us, that's one of the challenges sometimes is mm. building that, which I can understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how far from your your headquarters in Michigan are you guys traveling? Are you literally all over the country? Are you pretty local to the area? And yeah, if no, you're drive, are you driving out to California for these type of um... – Yeah. Yeah, we had a team. You know, we had teams uh, out in Idaho last year, and and well, uh, most of most of what we do is probably in the South Midwest, um, 
Okay. You know, but yeah, from I think we had teams in in Florida and Idaho, Colorado, Nebraska, yeah. Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, a, a lot during the, in the Midwest as well, Pennsylvania. So they're all they're all over the place. Um, not I mean, not as much. I mean, we got to do a little bit more planning when when you're crossing the Rockies. Right. Uh, yeah, but not uh, not in the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's when when you have all those logistical things, it does matter. Uh, so we yeah, just, we just try we just try planning out. But um, yeah, no, they'll go everywhere. And now now we're starting to do a lot more uh, missionary uh, work, uh, even using our properties here for for pre field deployment um mm. uh you know caring for missionaries like for pastors man they're just melting down it's just it's really it's about as bad as it's been um for for mission agencies in terms of the length of tenure that missionaries are having right now i mean you're looking at like the average is less than three years of boots on the ground to total burnout and um, so it's uh, the the messaging that we have on a very personal level, and then, and then follow up care is really important for us. That's why we we say revival, vitality, and their mission mm-hmm. with Jesus. So it's it's not just you know, creating a spark and, and receiving that life again, but how do you keep the fire going? Uh, is is I would say equally important to us. So how do we care for the pastors after we've left the church? And we've, Mm -hmm. you know, we've pulled the lid off the trash can and they've got to deal with, you know, people's lives. We need to keep caring for them. Yeah. I think it's Charles Finney, um, one of the guy who used to travel around and by the end of his ministry, people, you know, he's a big revivalist, but people had a hard time with him coming in from out of town because people were really inflamed, but he didn't have the back end. Uh, He didn't know how to care for people after he left. And so, yeah. try and be intentional about that's cool caring for people all around yeah you mentioned that one of the pieces that was a surprise to me around what you do is the ministries and churches that are started up and planted or decisions to go into the field as a missionary um like that whole piece of of what life action does was was i don't know why it's surprising but um that's really cool that there are yeah. you know, ministries and churches being birthed out of, out of these, I don't know what the better name to give it, but the events that you guys are holding and, and, yeah. and leading. That's awesome. So how, how involved are you in that process of starting up and helping plant these churches and launch these ministries and send these missionaries? Um, it depends. So in some of the, in some of the people's lives, when we were just, part of the if it was, in all of our lives there's points in process right so if we mm-hmm. were the kind of the episodic point we came in and just created a context for them to engage with god come to jesus moment god yes i hold out my hands yes i will do what you say and god says i want you to commit your life this way big picture you know that happens I, that happens all the time um for people from a developmental standpoint uh, if we're going to be part of the process, a lot of times they'll they they will come on staff or they've traveled uh, with us, so we get extended time with them. And when you've got consecutive hours, consecutive days with people, uh, there's just this exponential impact that that takes right. place. And so they um, they get a lot of uh, 
a lot of development from a character standpoint. They're in community, uh, working on their craft, uh, you know, while they're being uh, discipled and trained, and then launched out of from, from here. And over 50 years, I don't know the exact count, but hundreds, hundreds of, uh, at least, of pastors and, and missionaries, and even dozens of, of different ministries that were launched from here, some some of which are significant. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, it really is. Well, Donnie, I want to take a moment to hear from today's sponsor, but when we come back, uh, I want to dig into that prophets and evangelist piece that you discussed, and then maybe spend some time talking about storytelling, because it sounds like you guys have some cool stories, and a lot of them coming out of the ministry. So yeah, we'll be back in a minute. Are you looking to grow your ministry but don't have the money or marketing knowledge to make that happen? There's good news. Google offers an advertising grant to churches and ministries that is worth $10,000 per month. This means that if your ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit, you are eligible to receive $120,000 per year in free advertising dollars. This allows you to place ads at the top of Google search results pages and drive thousands of visitors to your ministry website every month. Our sponsor, Click Nonprofit, helps your ministry acquire this Google ad grant and manages your Google ads to ensure you get the most out of your grant. Schedule a free consultation at clicknonprofit.com to learn more about how this grant can help your specific ministry. Mention the Ministry Growth Show when you sign up to get 20% off your first three parts of minute. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Donnie Vanker of Life Action. Uh, Donnie, one of the things that you mentioned before the ad um, break was this idea around prophets and evangelists. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, can we dig into that a little bit more? In what ways do they differ? What are their functions and responsibilities within the church? Um, how do you guys see these roles complementing each other? Yeah. Um you know, they, they can be distinct roles. Obviously, Paul you know, mentioned them uh, distinctly. They can also be a person can have multiple gifts. Uh, and Paul mentioned that as well. Um, we just we see them as being catalytic gifts. Um, you know, some, something that is going to you know, from the, the prophet prophecy standpoint, that's somebody who's going to create some kind of motion, some kind of action. Right, so you, they're uh, generally when you saw God, it was 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 coming to town. Well, I was just reading the other day with my daughter, and Samuel was coming to town, and and they go, "Is this good or bad?" Right, you know, they didn't they didn't know. Um, but so somebody that's 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 on the edges, that's that's creating movement. You know, even in First Corinthians fourteen, you know, Paul's talking about it. He's it's for the church, and. Um, and you're you're dealing with the heart issues. So without, I know that can be pretty theologically loaded, depending on what denomination or group you're you're in. And so I could just tell you how we apply it ourselves. It's timeless truth of God applied in a timely manner. So mm-hmm. so that that's that's you know, and there is undoubtedly we need guidance from the Holy Spirit to help us know exactly what should be said yes we're coming with a a, a a general playbook but which plays to to uh to call out how to say things where to exhort people 
if if you needed to use a different word to understand what I'm what I'm talking about, it would be exhortation would probably be the best word. Mm. We're trying to move people into action. And then uh, the evangelist side of things is just it's the good news. Mm -hmm. Actually, even our founder many years ago was asked, they said, man, what is it? It just seems like, you know, there's a certain point in everything that we do where it's like God just breaks through with people. What is it? And um, I guess he had said, well, that's the time when people realize that God is for them. Mm. Which I thought is just super, super uh, awesome. That's Actually. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. How do you think that that prophets and evangelists can help the church stay relevant and responsive to the spiritual needs and the challenges of the current cultural and social landscape? Yep. Well, evangelist is pretty easy that people need to hear and be reminded of the good news. Again and again and again. Um, and it, our news ought to be good to people. It's not just what they're saved from, but what they're saved to. And a lot of times we we, we really miss that. It's not just what that they are saved to heaven, but what is the type of life that God wants for them? What does the abundant life actually look like that God wants them to experience? You know, sometimes we, we miss painting that picture and if people don't have, if they don't have a picture of what that looks like, they don't even know, they don't even know what they might be missing. I think it's Henry Ford that said, if my customers asked, or if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted a faster horse mm -hmm. because they didn't have a picture. So somebody's got to somehow as part of the good news, we have to be able to paint a picture of what the abundant life actually looks like. What is God calling them to do? And then, on the prophet side, somebody's got to call them to do it. Right. And, and somebody from out of town, somebody who's, who's not the normal person that they listen to day in and day out. Uh, we, we have all experienced this in our life that might be a coach. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a conference speaker that they're not necessarily saying anything new as a parent. My, my kid could come home and say, Oh, my coach told me this. And I'm thinking I've told them that like a thousand times. Right. <laughs> but that voice, but that voice from the outside that can motivate to action um, is is really important. Mm -hmm. um, and and so uh, I think churches some some churches tend to think, well, we can do it all ourselves. All the programming we can do ourselves, we can do it better. Um, I would really challenge them on that. There is value in having outside voices come even if it's just to reinforce the same things that you're hearing there's value there mm -hmm. yeah well let's take another break for uh today's sponsor but when we come back we'll continue our discussion with the donnie vanker of life action hi church leaders today's episode is sponsored by kingdom stories when it comes to your digital marketing and content strategies have you ever wondered how you can use the power of storytelling and testimony imagine the impact stories and testimonies that resonate that move hearts and minds. Testimonies that prepare people to receive gospel truths. Here's the problem. You're busy doing ministry and you don't have time to worry about your content strategies. And you definitely don't have time to worry about one more program. You already have way too much on your plate. The consequences? You're not taking full advantage of digital. 
The content you do post gets ignored. You have no plan or strategy for your digital engagement. And ultimately, God doesn't get the glory he deserves because we're not testifying of his transformational and redemptive work. What would it look like if your people knew how to share their testimonies? Your monthly content strategies were filled with stories instead of self-promotional content. And your content was focused on your people and God's work in their lives. What if your content was actually engaging because it was story-driven? Kingdom Stories is more than just a service. It's a catalyst for transformative digital communication. Stories change lives. Stories are engaging, and everyone has a story. What has happened in my life can happen in your life, too. Here's the best part. You don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. Kingdom Stories will handle everything from start to you want to learn more or get our free content strategy map that will outline the entire process, go to kingdomstories.us. We know how overwhelming and frustrating content strategies and digital marketing, marketing can be. We know how overwhelming and frustrating content strategies and digital marketing can be. So we've solved that problem for you. Stop creating aimless content. Let us help you tell the stories coming out of your ministry. Let stories and testimonies fuel your church's digital outreach. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Donnie Vanker of Life Action. How do you guys incorporate the disciple making process into the conversation when just in talking about what you do, how you do it. it um, we know that dis- the disciple making process is such a long-term journey with me as I show you what it looks like to follow Jesus process. Is that incorporated into anything that you do or is it very much that uh, beginning stage um more heavily leaning into the evangelism side? More of the discipleship happens either when, when people are coming to us or want to, for an extended period of time, again, maybe it's on staff, maybe it's in in these volunteer, uh, you know, positions on on the teams. Um, And we're also doing that with, uh, and building in new programs, literally right now, we've we've brought in a bunch of staff to be able to, to do that together with other pastors Mm. and missionaries where we're really accompanying them in their journey. Again, kind of the points in process. So there's uh, the, the, we all need both in our Mm. life. Um, And we're, we're not, there's a lot of the discipleship that needs to take place inside the local church, inside the local body, but who's helping shepherd the shepherds. Mm -hmm who's helping care for, uh, for them. So that's where we're doing more of the discipleship in the companion okay. and accompaniment is more with the leaders or with, with people that, that are able to spend truly extended time mm. with us. That's cool. What role does storytelling play in, in what you guys are doing? You've mentioned already that you've got thousands of stories of life transformation that have taken place. Uh, over the course of the ministry being in existence, how how are you 
telling those stories? How are you incorporating that into what you do? How are you incorporating into your outreach and your marketing communications? Like what, what role does storytelling play in the ministry? Yeah. Um, as, as much as it is a part of what we do, uh, that's one of the areas that we want to lean into so much more because of the power of the story. I've heard it said that you have, um, uh, uh, what you think is, is trumped by what you feel, which is, which is trumped by what you believe kind of this combination of what you think and what you feel. But the most powerful, uh, the most, the most powerful of all of these is just a, a, a paradigm and just how your life is influenced is actually your imagination. Mm. And so when you're telling, when you're telling stories, again, you're helping people be able to see, uh, what can be, you know, to see it in their mind's eyes, sometimes just to be able to see it right in front of you. We would say that uh, a life message is one of our, what we call our cutting edge commitments. It's actually one of the reasons why we have people that stay in host homes. We have our, with our speakers, it's incredibly important for us that there's a vulnerability that's there where we're giving practical, personal, real life examples, real life stories, and not just ones from 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. real life current, uh, messaging because there's just nothing more powerful than a life message. And, and I, I think it's, I actually think it's why God gave us the, the written word greatest gift he's given to us other than himself mm-hmm. is the way that it's done. It, it, it does engage our imagination and there's, there's an incredible power that's there. Yeah. And I think, I think, church, I think a lot of churches actually miss out. Um, when they they stop, or when they don't create a, a a platform for people to tell their story, you know, when churches and they're doing baptisms and it's just name and dunk next and dunk and that, you know, or or whatever, however they're doing it. Yeah, I understand that it can be scary when you put the mic in the hands of somebody that you don't. I mean, I get it. I mean, there, there's plenty of horror stories. You got you got to know how to manage it well. <laughs> Understood. How, however, um, you also, um, you could be having a form of godliness, but denying its power when you're, when you're not giving opportunity to hear from your people, what God is doing in their life, mm-hmm. in their story. Every life is a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I and I would tell you that some of the more powerful things that we do is actually testimony night. Mm. When you get to hear people in the church or people at the camps, when they get to hear what God has been doing in somebody's heart and somebody's life, um, that's where there's so much power that's there. So that that is a night that's included in every, every single time you come into a church. That's always a night that that you guys have. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if I'd say always, but it's a pretty regular thing. That's yeah. Cool. It, it's because we don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite verses in regards to storytelling and testimony is Revelation 19.10. Revelation 12.11 is the popular one, but Revelation 19.10 says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
and to me it's saying what has happened in my life what christ has done in my life that can happen in your life too that's a prophetic statement when i give my testimony you're telling the listener the person listening to your story this can happen in your life as well like god can move and transform and do this in your life in the same way he did it in mine and man i just think that that's so beautiful right we i think we get weirded out by we've talked about this already the the prophecy especially um and (laughs) depending on what denominational background you're from but i mean really that's so important and and a part of the the faith journey is saying hey god has done this in my life and he can do it in your life too and that in and of itself is a prophetic statement no doubt and that that is you know it's interesting i'm hearing you say that in what what in kind of comes up in my spirit is uh, that provides a sense of hope. Mm. And I have been, I've had different times in my life when, um, when I was just in just these incredible vices and, um, and I just thought, man, like I either, if, if God, if, if God is not good, I have no hope. You know, if God is not powerful and can't change this situation, I have no hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, if God is not wise and doesn't know what he's doing, I have no hope. I have to have hope. You know, and I actually think that that hope is one of the critical parts of life. Talk about life again. I think, you know, when, when there's this revival that happens, it's at least a combination of freedom, hope, and energy. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what you, when you're talking about telling your, the stories, you're giving somebody hope. That God can, and you know, and He, and He actually wants to do something great in your life as well. Will you trust Him? Will you come to Him? Hmm. That's good. Let's end there. If people want to get a hold of you, learn more about what you guys are doing, how can they do so? Lifeaction.org. It's uh, it's uh, we just redid the website. Love to have you come visit. Oh, cool. Uh, Love to have a. You guys got a podcast yeah, or we got, anything, we got folks, any if they, YouTube channels you want to push? Any content you're creating that they can take a look at? We have some, we we're just starting some some uh, podcasts. We have some great uh, children's uh, material. We we'll call it Base Camp Adventures. Okay. Uh, it's blown up on blown up on Spotify right now. You can think of it like a uh, kind of like Adventures in Odyssey, children storytelling, uh, but that's that walks people through the principles that we that we have and they would hear the same things uh, in the churches that we've got. Mm. That's called base camp adventures. Okay. It's pretty fun. I'll put the, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Can I pray for you as we wrap up? Please. Father, I just thank you so much for Donnie coming on the show and, and sharing about life action. And thank you for what you're doing through this amazing ministry, what you've been doing for so long, Lord, it's cool to see a organization that's had such a, um, history of of just faithfulness to you and and seeing you work through an organization and a group of people who are willing to come alongside you and say we'll be obedient to what you've called us to lord i pray that um you would just bless and lead and guide donnie as he leads this team and this organization i pray for his team for um, that you'd give them wisdom and direction and clarity on on how to continue to push and move the organization and the ministry forward and 
how to continue to innovate and adapt and um, make adjustments as the ministry grows and uh, pray for all the logistical things that are involved with this ministry. I can't even imagine. Lord, we just lift it all up to you and thank you that we get to be a part of your work and your redemptive story that you've invited us into partnership in that. And that to me, is just always such an amazing um, invitation, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Donnie, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.